Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Eric. Allison, I cannot believe that you have talked to me for even one second without mentioning it. it's my birthday. Oh my God. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy friggin' birthday. Thank you. And my gift to you, Eric, yep. is even though we are, uh-huh. these are the, the quarantine chronicles, let's call them, mm-hmm. we're not in yeah. the same room. My birthday gift to you is allowing you now via Skype to plug your podcast. Oh, perfect. That is all I ever want. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. So if anyone didn't uh, listen the other week, I have a new podcast uh, where I interview bass players. It's called Based on a True Story. Terrible. Yes, it's a pun. Terrible. Yes, it's yes, it's to annoy Allison. My God. Um, uh, and uh, you can find that at anchor.fm slash based, B-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D, based pod. Um, and it's also available on Spotify. I, apparently, it takes a while to get approved on other things. It does. It's very that. annoying. I didn't know any of this. I've never produced content before. Mm. <laughs> I, do, I don't make stuff generally. So I'm learning all these things that people learned like 12 years ago. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through all these struggles that people are like, yeah, we knew. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, other, I mean, yeah, it's, it's been really fun. I just released the second episode, which is I... I it was actually I record I recorded a bunch of stuff last year, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so I, but I never got around to to making it because I'm awful I'm terrible at stuff. Right. So um I actually I actually interviewed like my 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 literal hero a guy named Joe Lally who plays who played bass for the band Fugazi. Wow. Um, I've heard so, of them. Uh, just that, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Um, I hope other people have. They're like a band that literally like changed my life. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So I, I interviewed him. That was so cool. Um, and I just put that up as my second episode. People have been into it. People have said it's pretty cool. So I'm, I'm, I've been enjoying doing it. Hell yeah. Uh, so guys, I have a ton of quarantine viewing and reading recommendations. Eric, I'm assuming you must have something by now. That's not CSI reruns. So, uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I watch Criminal Minds, not CSI. Thank you. Oh, okay. Weird. I thought you were. Uh... Oh no. You know what I meant to say? SVU. SVU. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. SVU. Uh, yeah. I'm all caught up on SVU. So, uh, first and foremost, immediate recommendation: you gotta watch Tiger King on Netflix. What are you doing if you haven't seen it? People are going crazy about Tiger King. Yeah, you have not seen, correct? I watched the first like little bit of it, but I didn't get around to finishing it. Gotcha. I, what's interesting is that I feel like I, I knew about this story already. I feel like there was like articles or stuff written about this guy. Yeah, well, Joe Exotic ran for president, which is when most people <laughs> heard of him. Right. And he had an amazing campaign video that was him basically being like, I'm broke as hell and super gay. Vote for me. And people were like, what is this? <laughs> Just this dude surrounded by tigers. Uh but yeah, the the there's a whole true crime element to it that I won't give any spoilers away, but it's really bizarre. I know some people had a hard time. They sort of did what you did, which is they started to watch it and they were like, I don't like any of these people. And they stopped watching. Keep uh-huh. watching it. It gets fucking bananas. Yeah, it's I. it's truly like. 
I feel like there are definitely like viral things that come out, but this is the biggest one in a while. I feel like everyone I know is talking about the Tiger King. Yeah, uh, I think it definitely helps that it came out at the perfect time for the quarantine. Which, by the way, guys, we're going to talk a lot about what's happening in New York City just because things have gotten very bad. So, but before we get to that, can I, is this a safe space? Can I rant a little bit about Westworld Season 3? I, uh, yes, I will absolutely allow that. (laughs) So, I'm assuming you have seen none of Westworld, correct? Uh, No, I watched the first season of Westworld. Oh, okay, okay. So... Westworld season three is it's sort of like it's about the ramifications of season one and season two. And Dolores is now in our world, albeit a futuristic version of our world. And okay, and uh, it's about her seeking retribution for the people who made her into a sex robot. Uh, and Aaron Paul is in this season and there was like a lot of hubbub about that because obviously a lot of people really adore him from Breaking Bad and he's a great actor. So everybody was like, oh shit, Aaron Paul's in season three of Westworld. But allow me to say this. So first of all, I have not liked season three so far. it's, It's very strange and the writing's not great. Uh, I don't know how you make Aaron Paul unlikable because the thing about him is like he's so charismatic. He's really, really funny. And he's just I mean, admittedly, there's only been two episodes so far and he was only in the premiere, but he's kind of a dud and he's not funny and very flat. And I was like, how do you do this to Aaron Paul? It, It feels like it's borderline impossible. Right. It's a testament to how bad writing can be if you like take somebody that's universally beloved and even people that love them are like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. It's almost like some writers are afraid to inject humor into their scripts. Cause then it won't be serious. Like it won't be a serious piece of art if, if like Aaron Paul's funny in it, but I'm like, to me, that's what's so great about a character or an actor like him. He's able to within a very dramatic scene, inject a little bit of levity into it and it doesn't like diminish the quality of the drama but it's sort of like a nice reprieve right for sure i also feel like i don't don't really have any sort of like window into like the writing process of a of a show like that Mm -hmm. or but you know it, it would seem to me like when you cast a person like him or anybody that has like a certain you know has a certain brand a certain character it's like you should tailor maybe a little bit to what's going on with their character to their specific strengths, you know? Yeah. It's like if you, bring, if you bring in a name like that, like you obviously did it for a reason. It wasn't just like, oh, let's just grab this actor because he's good. It's like you right. bring people, Some certain actors have certain brands where it's like, oh, yeah, they're going to do this thing on our show. So it's like you bring them in and you just like don't let them do it. Like why? And that's what it feels like. It feels like they knew the brand Aaron Paul would bring to Westworld and they just let that do all the work and it's like no no no, you actually have to write like a character (laughs) who we like and we want to watch right it's like it's like you wouldn't write a movie and like bring on like the rock to play like 
a like a just like a random scientist who has no character arc. It's right. like it's the fucking rock. We want we expect him to do shit in this movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and it's like, it's disappointing. Like because I I th- I guess this is a minor spoiler. If you if you want to completely avoid any spoilers about Westworld, skip ahead to the music cue. But there are like cool ideas that so far they just haven't explored. And again. It's been two episodes. I might be jumping the gun on this one, but there's like new worlds that they're revealing. Like there was Westworld. Um, there's like a Game of Thrones type world, which is very fu- funny. And they had uh, the the D's, the the writers of Westworld, as a, a fun little cameo in season two as as two of the techs who are trying to sell one of the dragons to a buyer. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Um, nice. a, a rare moment of levity in Westworld season three, but it worked. Like, see, it can work. You have a funny little joke, and everybody really liked it. Um, right. But yeah, it. So one of the worlds is called War World, and it's, <laughs> and it's a uh, World War Two. And I thought that was such a cool idea, where it's like, oh yeah, like how many middle-aged white guys would be like. I want to like go into this world and be part of the resistance and beat the Nazis. And I was like, what a cool idea. And then they just like, haven't really explored it. <laughs> but I'm like, that's yeah, really that's funny. Like, Cause like rich tourists would pay for that experience as fucked up as it is. Right. Yeah. And why, why go through the trouble of just like, like it's one thing if you're like doing a show and you mention like kind of offhand, like a, an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, that's funny. It's like you go through the trouble of introducing a whole new world. It's like we like you got to take us there. Right. You got to like show us what the hell's going on and like what this means. You know, like what like why why tease us with that? Yeah, and like listen, they might get there. Uh, it's very early in the season. Uh, man, the cats are going at it. I don't know if you can hear that, but <laughs> no, I can't. But so far, man, it's just for so much to be happening and for me to be bored. You fucked up. You know, because it's not like there's a lack of action at all. It feels like it's just one action scene after another and still I'm bored. So is it being released in chunks or is it like a full season out at once? No, no. no, HBO doesn't put up all episodes at once. So it's once a week. This is why I think people are fucking up with it, with how they're releasing TV shows, because it's like if you're going to do a long drip like that, you got to give people like you know you got to give people something like you got to start strong if you're going to be like okay now you got to wait a couple you know you got to wait a week for a new episode because yeah. like if you're if you're doing like the thing of like okay we're releasing a whole season at a time then it's kind of like okay well now you can draw shit out because it's like the, the person knows they can just go to the next episode so if you if you leave that sort of thing in there of like oh maybe there's something later in the season then they can just keep going right but mm-hmm. if you're going to be like Hey, you have to wait and you know, you have to wait a week for a new episode and you have to wait 4 weeks for the episode 4 times from now. It's like especially now so much content people are going to be like, well, "Why the fuck am I doing this?" Right. Like what? Like why am I if the if, if you don't hit me with something hard at first, like why am I going to be invested in wait 7 days for your show when I can watch an entire series in that amount of time? Yeah, and I bet the calculation is instead of just one sharp spike where everybody, especially now during the quarantine, people are binge watching 
so much more. So like Netflix with Tiger King, I'm sure they saw a massive spike when it first came out. And then everybody watches it in a day, a day and a half, and then you lose right. all those people again. I'm sure the calculation for HBO is we'll get a spike every week because we're not dumping the entire season in for people to watch in a day. But like I honestly right. don't know if the show isn't compelling and people stop watching, wouldn't you rather have gotten like one massive spike than people just slowly start tapering off as they stop watching? For sure. I think like my, yeah, I think, I think that's, I think you could still do the like delayed release model. It's just, but you gotta be so much more compelling now. Yeah. In like the first episode, you got to come out strong and be like, you got to give people a reason to like even remember that your show comes out again in seven days. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, and I, I really don't know like if I'm wording it in a way that's easy to understand, but like I just I I'm creeped out by it because I feel very handled by HBO in this season. Like there's a scene where Dolores goes to a fancy party in our world, and she like does this like costume transformation where she like pulls on the front of her dress and it becomes like a different looking gown and it looks Mm. cool but a i was like why did she do that why didn't she just like she knew she was going to that party right like why didn't she just like wear that dress to begin with and it felt like one of those moments where they knew it would become a gif and people would put it up on twitter and everybody did everybody was like yes dolores queen and it's like it's just gross because it's like they knew it would be a meme. And look, it's a meme. And I feel like HBO also did that with Big Little Lies. Like they, they insert these little moments that you know are going to go viral, but it feels like really soulless and prepackaged and it takes me out of it. I feel like that happens a lot. I like it's happening now more, but it's like it's that thing of like if you're watching a show, you're like, that's really cool. And then somebody makes a meme out of it. You're like, Hey, yeah, that's cool. But then when you can tell they're trying to make it a meme, it's like, Oh, now you're trying too hard. Yeah. And, but, like, and I think it's frustrating because it always works. People do it. And it's <laughs> right. like, God yeah, damn yeah. it. They read the room perfectly, but it, it's frustrating. It, it feels like just sort of artificially inserted in this show. Um, the flip yeah, side of that, I will sure. say like the opposite of that type of spirit is devs on Hulu. I feel like I'm the only person in the world watching this show, uh, which can't possibly be true. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> it, it makes the top 10 of a lot of critics lists right now. But anytime right. I talk to anyone, I'm like, are you watching devs? And they're always like, no, what is that? It's on <laughs> Hulu starring uh, Nick Offerman is probably the only name people will will know in the cast um and it's about it's like five minutes into our future at a tech company that's really more like a cult and uh they're developing some really interesting technology but the way it's shot the way it's written is really compelling beautiful it's a good example of like i guess it does move a little slower but it's so interesting that it doesn't feel like it's dragging right that's nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, like I said, I think things can still move slow as long as there's, there's some sort of hook. As long as it's compelling, as long as there's something that makes you want to come back. Yeah, like, and exactly. Keep watching new episodes. And that sounds good. And that's also like, like we were saying about Aaron Paul. It's like, it. I haven't watched it, but it sounds like, you know, you hire Nick Offerman. People want to watch Nick Offerman because everybody loves Parks and Rec. He's it's like you got to you give him something interesting to do. Yeah, I have to say he's great. He crushes every scene he's in. I don't know how I feel about the lead. 
I don't know if she's a good actor. I'm having like a hard time figuring her out and <laughs> determining if I like her or not. But right. everything else is so captivating that it's sort of just like Lily is the character's name. is just kind of going along with this interesting plot and she's caught up in in a whole host of things. And that's so interesting that I don't mind her, but yeah, it's like right. TBD. I don't know if she's a good actor. Nice. Um, <laughs> I definitely want to check this out. You recommended it before. I know I've, it I've, it's ongoing. It's they're also releasing it once a week. So I bring it up every time we're recording because I'm still watching it. Um, right. Also, I just wanted to recommend in general, uh, because I'm in quarantine, I wanted like a big viewing project to give myself over the next, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, three to six months. <laughs> so right. <laughs> right. Vulture has this really cool list of the 50 best horror movies on Netflix. So if you have a Netflix account, uh, you can watch Ooh. a bunch of stuff for quote-unquote free. Not really free. You're obviously paying for it. But uh, to just stop me from buying movies. So I am on the seas. Right. So right. I watched Child's Play last night, which actually I had never seen the original Child's Play. Really? Never oh, saw. What did you think of it? It's great. It was uh so funny. A- another great example of humor done well. Like it's a really really funny movie. <laughs> yeah, that's it's funny too because I as a kid don't remember it being funny. <laughs> I just remember being terrifying. Uh, well, that's why I never and so saw it. It's interesting to rewatch it as an adult. Right. It's yeah. interesting to rewatch it as an adult and be like, oh, there's like so much like it's very campy. There's so much like humor in here. <laughs> Whereas like as a kid, you're just instantly terrified. And that's all you can think about for the whole movie. Right. Well, that's why I never saw it because I was so scared as a kid of Chucky. But as an adult, I don't know. Like, even when he's running around, it looked so funny to me that, like, it, it's scary, but also <laughs> yeah. I was laughing. And I don't know if I was laughing out of fear or I was laughing <laughs> just because it he's a doll running around. Like, it's really funny. I don't know. Uh, and also just the voice like acting is so, so good. The delivery, just like this <laughs> middle-aged, rough criminal's voice coming out of a doll is very funny. <laughs> Yeah, 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 for sure. Like, I think it's, I yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something to like. Once you're an adult, you're like, it's a doll. <laughs> like, even if this, even even if this happened, what could he possibly do? And like, at least, at least know? in the original movie, the CGI is not good enough to be scary. It still looks like okay. Maybe it was on wires at this point, or like, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. not not quite lifelike enough for me to like put myself in the characters shoes and be like oh my god that would be so scary it just it's it visually it's very (laughs) funny um so i also have a reading recommendation that's right i remember how to read jealous everyone (laughs) so i'm reading the uncoupling by meg woolitzer and it's very good and i recommend it and i don't this is fiction and i don't want to give any more details it well i guess i could say it's about a couple and they're uncoupling. <laughs> and that's all I'll say wow. about it. But it's really, all really right. well written. She's like a very celebrated author, New York Times bestselling author, a few times, I think. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, speaking of funny shit, she's a really funny author. And she writes about relationships in a really nice. real, 
accessible way. Uh, and I have to say, she's one of those authors where the book fucking moves. Like, all of a sudden, I was halfway done with the book, and I was like, what happened? Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good quarantine read. Nice. I'll say it's a good quarantine like read if, like you're not, like if you're not currently in an unhappy relationship. Because I think if you're in an <laughs> unhappy relationship and you're reading it, it might be too real. <laughs> This is like the uh, the marriage story of books. Yes, exactly. But if you're like secretly mad at everybody who's in a relationship because they get to just hang out with somebody they like all day and you want to like shit on people in a good relationship, you might want to read The Uncoupling because you'll be like, ha ha, look at these assholes. Right, <laughs> right. nice. Uh, Eric, do you have any recommendations? Yes. I have one that I, I can't, I'm, I'm anxious to see if you hate this or you love this. Great. So I have a new addition to the the list of weird shit that Eric is obsessed with. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, famously, famously pens being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, didgeridoo music being another one. Mm-hmm. Now I'm obsessed with marble racing. Okay, so I originally saw this. I think somebody at UCB posted it as a way to, like, relax. Uh-huh. Because there are apparently yes. like live feeds of this thing called marble racing. Which, what is marble racing? So it's it's just it's as far as I know, it's only this one YouTube channel. It's this it's this out of uh, the Netherlands, I think, called I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's I think it's called Gels Marble Racing. It's J E L L E apostrophe S Marble Racing, mm-hmm. and they build fucking like like race tracks. And they race marbles on them. They release marbles on this racetrack and and see who wins. Now, is there any kind of strategy to, like, what makes your marble faster than my marble? No, it's completely random. (laughs) So no (laughs) skill, no strategy. No, but that's what's great is because, like, they have, they have, they get set up like an actual, like, racing league. So they have teams and the teams have multiple marbles in them. In each race, like, one marble represents their team. Uh, and they just, and, but they, what's beautiful is like, they have incredible production value and they race these marbles along this racetrack. And then they got a professional sports announcer to, to make live commentary over the races. I see. So he's doing like play by play. So he did like play by play as like the marbles as like another marble like goes into the lead like he's doing like professional racing commentary over this. It's 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 so good. I so watched, you enjoy like, it as a sort of wh- like genre play, uh, <laughs> yeah. send up. You don't find it like relaxing. It is kind of relaxing because he's got that very like sports announcery, like kind of soft, fast moving voice, and then also just like the sound of marbles running along like a like a tr- like a plastic track mm-hmm. you know it's just like that constant droning noise is nice but yeah i i really enjoy just watching it and it's i don't know it's like the thing you did as a kid but as an adult with a bunch of money right. <laughs> so they like made it real pro and uh i don't it's just so fun i watched like four years worth of youtube videos in a day i just watched like everything they had put out and it was like I don't know. It's so fun to watch. And it's just like, it is kind of like, hey, you're in your house with nothing else to do. Might as well watch this. And it was like very fun. Yeah, I, I support it. I, I give my stamp of approval. I think anything 
anyone can watch right now that lowers their blood pressure is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. So I support uh, and it. I, and I took your su- I also took your suggestion and caught up on Ugly Delicious. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It is. I Again, love- I feel like I always have to make a disclaimer. Uh, Aziz yes. is in season two of Ugly Delicious, and it's not cool. <laughs> uh, but right. other than that, it's a really good season. Uh, all of the shit about his kid is really, really moving and beautiful. Yeah, for sure. I'm interested. Uh, I don't know how much time we have to go into this, but I'm I'm interested in your opinion on because I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but like I I love watching cooking shows. I know you love watching cooking shows. Do you have like thoughts or opinions on like being vegan and watching like regular cooking shows like Ugly Delicious and stuff like that? Not really. I mean, there's nothing less interesting to me than a vegan talking about their veganism. Um, Sorry, (laughs) I I know that might be (laughs) a controversial opinion, but like it's up there for me with atheists talking about being atheists where I'm like, I really don't give a shit about this. Uh, But no, I mean, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not like creeped out watching. I watch a lot of cooking shows like I'm obsessed right now with the Bon Appetit videos on YouTube. Uh, I oh love Claire so, so much. I almost bought a, a Claire shirt from the Bon Appetit store. <laughs> I'm like really, really <laughs> obsessed with the Bon Appetit videos right now. I find them to be very soothing. Um, no, I actually think, um, you know, listen, in a perfect world, nobody would eat meat. Nobody would eat dairy. But let's just concede that at least into our near future or even our distant future, people are still going to be consuming animal products. And I actually think a lot of chefs have interesting insight into how we can do that in a more ethical way. And a lot of chefs actually are very concerned about the environment. And I think they could be valuable assets when it comes to trying to dismantle this factory farming system that we have right now. A lot of chefs hate that system and want to abolish it as well. Um, But a lot of times I'll watch like not so much ugly delicious, ugly delicious. I watch because like the stories are really compelling and I think David Chang's a really, really great host. Um, But, and I think he much like Anthony Bourdain is really like compassionate and empathetic when he enters cultures that are not his own. And he's like, very respectful and he listens and like you know you could learn a lot watching his show um but i'll watch something like top chef and sometimes i'll like think about how i can veganize the recipes and i i didn't really realize until recently how much i've learned about cooking and baking from watching those shows like even when i'm making vegan food i'm implementing a lot of stuff that i've learned watching these cooking shows totally yeah totally Uh, yeah, I, I was curious because like I feel like I've, I feel like I have heard, I, maybe it's not like a big opinion, but I have I feel like I have heard vegans express, you know, distaste with like cooking shows and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure, but I'm sure. To, yeah. Yeah, 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 and like I I get it too when vegans are like, oh, I can't watch that because it, it upsets me. I'm like, right on, I totally get that. Um, so I would never judge anyone for not wanting to watch it just as I would hope they don't judge me for watching it and enjoying it. Right. Uh, So on that note, everybody, we got to do it. I'm so sorry. Listen, it'll be okay. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news.
So we are going to talk a lot about the coronavirus, aka COVID. Uh, I wanted to plug at the top of the bad news section. Uh, a friend of mine is very, very, very sick right now. She uh, did get COVID. She's in the ICU right now, and it's not looking good. Um, but her friends and family have set up a GoFundMe page, and I'm gonna link to it. I'll link. I'll tweet the link, and I'm also gonna link the GoFundMe in our uh, Lipson. Uh, summary. So if you go to the episode summary, you'll see the link in there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was trending on Twitter the other day, uh, praying for Laura. If you saw that trending, uh, that that's my friend Laura, and uh, it really, really, man, and it this sucks because <laughs> she is a wonderful person, just like so filled with energy, and I can't fucking believe this is happening. So if you have any spare dollars, please go. Uh, please give to Laura. Um, sadly, her her mom also was infected, so that money I'm sure will go to the both of them. Oh, that's I mean that's awful to hear. I mean I I saw when it when it came up, I just, I couldn't couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, I, I mean I don't know what else to say. Like that's that you pretty much covered it all. It's really really heartbreaking to see. And she's like, she was like so young and full of life. Like you yeah. know, like it's really she's thirty. Yeah. Wild. Absolutely wild. And I, I was talking to her last week and she was fine. So this shit is no joke. And I, I'll plead to everyone. I know it's a really scary time. I know that your parents might be <clears throat> out of love trying to guilt you to come home because <laughs> that's what parents do when they feel scared. They want to keep you close. Don't go home. You could infect your parents. So, and not even know that you were carrying it. And uh, by the way, I'm not saying that's what happened with Laura. We don't know when she got infected, but I just know that a lot of my friends are getting pressured right now by their parents, again, out of love, uh, to come home. And some have done that. And it's, it's, you're always, always risking that you are asymptomatic, you have it, and you could unknowingly pass it on to your parents who are, might be in a more vulnerable age bracket. Yeah, I think I, I actually literally was just talking to my parents before we did this and they was like not pressuring me, but were like, oh, you know, we wish you could come home. And I was just like, honestly, the best thing that anyone can do is just like stay in place, because like you were saying, one of the reasons for these like extreme measures is that we have no idea when we're spreading it, which is the scariest part of the whole thing. Right. Yeah, I have to say I have a friend who's a doctor and she's married to another doctor. So they have two doctors in the family. And they recently wow. sent their two very young children away to go live with uh, the husband's parents because they both got called up as like emergency reserves to go work in a hospital. My friend hasn't worked in a hospital in five years. And they were like, you have to come in. We're so short staffed. And I'm like terrified for her because I'm like, she was saying anytime she has a cough, she doesn't know if it's like happening to her, you know, and it, it can it can spiral really quickly where, you know, it that that's the scariest part of this. I, I feel like Laura was fine last week and now her lung collapsed, you know, like it happens fast, right. especially if you have uh, underlying medical issues. You know, if you if you have asthma, which is a big, big thing here in New York City, a lot of 
poor kids, not just poor kids, but, you know, poor kids tend to live in environments with the worst air quality. A lot of them have asthma, and now they are super, super vulnerable to this virus. Right. Yeah. And so I think also one thing about living in New York is like, I was talking, again, I was talking to my parents about this, but like, it's very different here than it is in a lot of other places. So a lot of other places are not being as hard to hit. And they're like, you know, hey, like, what's the big deal? Like, nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. And then, like, here are, I mean, there are literally, like, multiple hospitals around New York that are running out of supplies because so many people are in there. Um, We really, I mean, we do have, like, a, a, like, for real outbreak going on. And, you know, I I think it's, you know, and then, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's hard, maybe hard for people to comprehend if they're not in the middle of it. But it's like, yeah, that, that's the most dangerous thing is that it happens fast and you can be carrying it without symptoms. So then you get like all these people that are leaving and going to places that are like, I was reading a story about like wealthy, like uh, whatever you call it, people from Los Angeles that were like going to their like vacation homes in Idaho or whatever. And we're like infecting small towns that had no cases whatsoever because yeah. they're like completely cut off and rural. And now all these people are going to like, oh, we're going to go and be in a small town because that's safer. And it's like, well, you have the virus. So now you're infecting all these other people. Right, right. Uh, and that what you mentioned about people not being able to see it was a big fear of mine when this first started because unless you live in, yeah, Los Angeles or, or New York City, you probably think it's being overhyped. You're like, nothing is happening in my community yet. So I was really glad that this video came out. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Eric, from Elmhurst Hospital. I didn't see the video. I've been reading the stories about Elmhurst, but I didn't see the video. So Dr. Colleen Smith uh, recorded a video and gave it to uh, the New York Times. And it's about how bad things have gone at Elmhurst Hospital, where they, they've set up a tent, a huge tent, in front of Elmhurst Hospital to deal with patients who, have, who are not as sick as the people who have COVID because they're so overrun with COVID patients inside that they can't take anybody who is not as sick as those people. There's a truck parked out back, a huge semi truck for the bodies because, and and there was a story about the morgue in in New York city is completely at capacity. They have nowhere to put the bodies. Um, That's how bad it's gotten. And unless you're a frontline worker unless you're you're an actual hospital employee you're not seeing this so you know I applaud Dr. Colleen Smith for potentially getting into a lot of trouble because I I'm sure she was not supposed to do this but the whole reason she chose to do it is she's like I want people to understand how bad it is and it's so valuable that we have this video now because I saw so many people sharing it on Twitter. Like, holy shit, I had no idea it got that bad that fast. Right. Uh, that's another weird side effect of being like in lockdown is like, I, I mean, cause I, you know, I'm lucky enough that I can work from home. So I haven't like, I'm not out of work and I don't leave my apartment. So like all this stuff is going on in the city and I've just like completely cut off from everything. And I have no idea what's going on outside of my block. Yeah, the so only like, time you really get a sense of it is I've been going on on walks in a safe way. Everybody calm down. Uh, I stay six feet away from everybody. It's just so I don't go insane uh, staying inside yep. all the time. The only time I've been like, this is weird, is 
there's nobody's outside right now. Uh, right. Still too many people for, for my comfort, you know? <laughs> like, when I see entire families walking around, I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Although I get it. Like, I can't imagine how hard it must be to have young children, like, cooped up inside all day. I'm sure they're going nuts. Um, but that, the other day I went for a walk, and I truly, there was, like, nobody outside. And I was like, damn, this is eerie. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's yeah, it's so disheartening too because it's like there'll be those moments and then there's like really like just people ignoring it, which is like really frustrating. Like I was I was reading the story about this really exclusive Italian restaurant in New York called uh, Carbone, mm-hmm. um, which is like a very exclusive. Like I think they only have like fifty or seventy seats or something, and they like you have to be on a wait list for weeks to get in. Well, when all the restaurants started shutting down, they started offering delivery. Mm. So everybody freaked out because this exclusive you know, oh, Michelin star restaurant up. was offering delivery. So now, like, police are having to go stand in front of this restaurant at night because crowds are gathering in front of it to get their delivery orders. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> it's insane. It's un- and it's just like, what the hell don't you get about, like, I mean, for me, it's like, even if I'm, like, weird and cut off and, like, it doesn't really feel like anything's happening. You should take the cue of like, Hey, this is crazy. We've never done this before. Something must be happening. Like something, some shit is going on. I like, will say the, w- the flip side of that as frustrating as those stories are. And I think people are quicker to sh- quicker to share those stories because it's so frustrating. I was walking yeah. around the other day and I saw uh, some bodega guys. So like here in, in New York city, we have these things called bodegas. They're, they're little stores where you can buy like food and, and stuff like that. Um, and there's always like guys who hang out at bodegas, you know, like they're in the neighborhood. That's where their social scene is. And they'll just like hang out in front of a bodega all day. Um, and the other day I was walking by a bodega and there was a group of those guys, but they were all standing at least six feet apart. And then when they said goodbye to each other, they just touched <laughs> elbows. And I was like, hell yeah, dudes, way to like hang out in a respectful, socially distant way. I thought that was really cool. Oh my God. That's so funny to me. I mean, that's like amazing. I I'm loving, I love that image of just like the guys that hang out bodegas, just like standing outside the bodega, but six feet apart. <laughs> yeah. Cause like my heart does so go out to them. Cause it's like, that's your community. You're probably really scared right now. You want to see people. Uh, how do you do that in a safe right. way? And I think that's like, like still not entirely safe, but they're trying, you know? And I was like, good for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so keeping on this theme, I wanted to talk about, um, Trump trying to murder New Yorkers because we didn't kiss his ass enough. This seems crazy. So, yeah, medical experts had informed Governor Cuomo that they need like 40,000 ventilators to deal with all of the patients who are infected with COVID. Like that's a, a very common uh, symptom of COVID is it's difficult to breathe. Your lungs are filling with liquid. That's what happened to my friend, Laura. She, she has bad lungs. She would get like bronchitis three times a year. She was very, very vulnerable to COVID and she couldn't breathe and she needed to be hooked up to uh, a ventilator to breathe for her. So it's happening to so many people that governor Cuomo was informed. We need at least 40,000 ventilators. Cuomo informs Trump of this and Trump responds, I don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators. Like my thing with, when this happened was like, what, I mean, literally, what do you think 
is why would they ask for more ventilators? Like, it's not like Cuomo was like, oh, yeah, actually, we need like three billion dollars. You know what I mean? It's not asking for money. And you're scared that they're going to, like, not use the money and use it for other stuff. It's like they're asking literally for medical supplies. Literally, why would they ask for stuff they don't need? Right. Well, something else came out that it was revealing because it, it gives us a little more insight into why Trump might have said something like that. So Trump told Pence not to call governors who aren't, quote unquote, appreciative of White House of the White House's coronavirus efforts. So. If we put those two pieces of information together, um, it seems like the reason we might not get these ventilators or the help that Cuomo's asking uh, for from the White House is because we didn't kiss the ring enough? Yeah, I saw that too, specifically with Michigan. And it was like, there's been, look, there's been a lot of like crazy shit that happened in the Trump presidency. But like, this is, insane like beyond the pale shit i don't know how you tell yeah i don't know how you look at this as anything but mass murder yeah i mean that's all it is and it's because like like yeah like i think his little quote was like we want them to be appreciative it's like well what the like what are you talking about and a and b not giving people like killing a bunch of citizens is not a, a way for people to be appreciative of you. Like, you know, even if you thought they weren't being appreciative enough, like, I don't, th- I don't know how this is going to help. It's just revenge. And it's just like, Oh yeah, they can die. They don't need these medical supplies because they weren't like, yeah. Kissing the ring, kissing his ass enough, apparently when, and, and also he hasn't been doing a great job. So there's no reason for people to like be appreciative of what he's been doing. Right. Yeah. I mean, can you, imagine if obama had done this i know that's sort of like an overused rhetorical question but can you imagine (laughs) no they i mean no absolutely like you know i mean people like i mean it would be like people would have gone insane i mean people literally would have i mean it literally would have been riots in the streets yeah i mean i listen i know we have short attention spans, that the news cycle moves really fast i really 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 hope people remember that Trump killed New Yorkers because that this is what he's doing. He's going to kill a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a point that's hammered home a lot, you know, um, you know, because it's, if, if it doesn't, if it ends up being that, like, you know, if, if those medical, I, I don't know if like, if it was an empty threat or it sounds like a, probably not an empty threat and we're just not going to get the ventilators. And like when people start dying, like it, he's got to be held accountable for that. I don't know if there's anything we can do legally, but like, it's got to be a point that's hammered home every, I mean, every hour of every day. But let, you know? like, let's consider that it is an empty threat, right? It's still dangerous because it's playing into that whole narrative of this is being overblown. It's not that big of a deal. Like he's going to get people killed either way. Right. Right. And that's another thing too, is like that. It sounds like on top of the not being appreciative thing, he also was announcing that he wants to reopen. He wants to lift all the restrictions by Easter, which I think is like April 12th or something. Insane. So he's like, so he's like literally he's, he's specifically trying to downplay He's doing the same shit that he did in January, except now he's trying to do it with credibility because now like people are like, oh, well, he did stuff. And so now if he says that we can reopen the economy, he must know what he's talking about. And so 
he did this in January too. He was specifically not ordering tests. He was specifically, I mean, he was telling people he did not want to test a bunch of people for COVID because he knew that if he had high numbers, it would make him look bad. Right. And so he was specifically holding off on testing people and now he's doing it again, except now instead of testing people, he's just literally not saving lives. He's like specifically withholding equipment so that it won't look as bad so that on on the twelfth on Easter he can re, he can lift a bunch of the lockdowns and be like see it wasn't that bad mm-hmm. you know a couple thousand people died but it's not a big deal you know and and in reality the numbers are gonna be so much worse than that yeah but he needs his numbers to look good I will say uh, thank God Governor Cuomo delayed our election we were it was supposed to be end of April here in New York City now I think it's gonna be in June they might have to bump that again but it is. I am thankful, you know, without kissing Cuomo's ass too much, because that's happening a lot on Twitter. And like, let's remember that this guy has prison slave labor making our hand sanitizer, um, among other issues I have with (laughs) Andrew Cuomo. Um, But thankfully, he is treating this really, really seriously. And he's like, absolutely, we can't have our election. We can't have millions of people standing in line, you know, Um, that's that's too optimistic for how many people vote in New York city, but at least we can't have like thousands of people standing in line, you know? Yeah. And, and on the flip side of that is that like all the, all the governors that are allowing their primaries to go forward need to be held to task for that. And the DNC. Right. I, it's it's just absolutely unbelievable that the, I mean, Louisiana had a primary Mm -hmm. and now they have an outbreak. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, fucking dumbasses, <laughs> sorry, I didn't have a more clever segue. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick announcing oh on Tucker Carlson's white nationalism power hour uh, that uh, grandparents would be willing to die to save the economy for their grandchildren. <laughs> this is the most insane line of and every conservative pundit is doing this now. Like, it's all over, like, Ben Shapiro's network, Glenn Beck. They're all doing this now, which is like, oh, yeah, all the old people would rather die than change the economy. Well, what I don't understand about this calculation, first of all, this is supposedly the pro-life party, right? <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. But also, how do you think old people feel watching this on Fox News? Do you think they're like, that's right, I want to die? Or they're like, wait a second, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> hold on, wait a second, I don't want to die. I don't know. I a part of me thinks they actually believe it. Oh, God. A part of me think because I think they still think of like, oh yeah, this is the greatest generation. They went to war to save their country. Like this is the, the this is that generation, and they'd be happy to lay down. They'd be happy to you know uh, get a virus and let their lungs fill with fluid and die in a hospital bed so that we can keep the economy running. I think they really believe it. I think I, I think the, you're right. I think they they think they're tough and we're a bunch of wimps. Yeah. And, and, and to them, I mean, I think like for a lot of them, the economy is the country, you know, and yeah. it's like, well, we don't have America unless we have this economy that we built, you know, this capitalist economy that can't handle an outbreak like every other country can. And so, you know, it's like, you know, if, if we don't have this, we don't have anything. And all of these people would be would happily just die so that we can keep our way of life going. I think they believe it. I, I would I mean, I would imagine there is a portion of that age group of people that does feel that way but 
it certainly can't be all of them. It certainly can't be a large group of them. I mean, I can't imagine anyone that would, you know, you know, die a horrific death just so like for what, you know, for the economy, like that's such, such bullshit, you know, it's such insane shit that, that they come up with. I do also think they'll believe that until they get it. And they, that feeling of not being able to breathe will probably scare a lot of people straight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think, I, I, mean, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I was reading this article about like this, this small conservative, like the small, like, the small community of like really hardcore Trump supporters that were basically, they weren't even like, it's not a big deal. They were like, they were like, I don't even know if this virus is real in the first place. Cause yeah. again, you know, it's like you live in a small community, you don't have any cases and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Why are we doing all this? You know? Mm-hmm. And so they were like, I think this is overblown. I think they're just doing it to hurt Trump. And then one of them got it and is in ICU. And it like, you know, his wife was on Facebook, like, Hey, uh, just a heads up. This is real. Like, this, I mean, this is really happening, and all of a sudden they're freaking out about it now because yeah. it's like, now, oh, it happened to me now. I know it. It's again over overused, but it really is a death cult. It's a death cult. Like they will follow Trump off a fucking cliff. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and and you know what's funny is like, it, it it's so weird like the way things like this happen where it's like supposedly the party of like the individualists all care more about like some weird abstract like concept of the economy or America than they do about like anybody else's life. Mm -hmm. You know, supposedly the people that care so much about individual freedom are like, Oh, well, no, we, we should do literally anything to keep the economy running. Right. Including killing. I mean, an entire generation of people. Yeah. And also being a rugged individualist while blindly following a cult leader. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, it, it's, you know, like none of the none of the in, the rugged individualists want to pay for their own health care. You know, you know, you have like freaking, you know, all, all these, you know, like Ted Cruz is in isolation. He doesn't want anybody else to have sick leave. But of course, he gets sick leave from his job, right. you know, making one hundred seventy four thousand dollars a year. Well, he deserves you know, it, though. Paul tested positive. <laughs> he deserves right. it. We don't deserve yeah, it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like, I do think there's a calculation, too, where. This obviously is blowing up in in New York and L.A. just because uh, we have a lot of people here. Um, I I think there's also an attitude of good. Fuck them. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I've heard like, you know, you know, I've heard I've heard what I've heard because, you know, again, I listen to a lot of conservative media because I hate myself. But, (laughs) you know, it's like. You know, some I've heard it phrased not as like, oh, fuck New Yorkers, but like not because they're New Yorkers, but like, oh, well, see, rural life is the best way of life. And all these people living in cities are stupid. And, you know, like, of course, this is going to happen because you live on top of each other and you live in this stupid city, you know, and like you live around all these other people and all these immigrants. And, you know, like, of course, this is going to happen. And of course, we're the smart ones because we live, you know, two miles away from our neighbor. So, of course, nothing's going to happen to us, you know? Right. Like, that sentiment, I think, is very prevalent. Yeah. Uh, So, on the flip side, I wanted to talk about um, something that went viral on the other end of the political spectrum. I saw a lot of liberals sharing it. Um, Let's talk about eco-fascism and all of these fucking dumb memes that are not true circulating about how the environment is magically restoring itself because I guess people are dying. 
Um, there were these viral but very fake posts about dolphins returning to Venice's canals, um, elephants, um, you know, showing up in parts of China that they don't show up in because there are fewer people. Mind you, none of right. this is true. And it's Correct. a creepy argument. Like, what argument are you making that in order to save the environment, we all have to commit suicide or die by suicide? Like, what is the end game of this sort of philosophy? <laughs> oh, I do think that's like, for that specific sect of people, I do think it's like, there's the argument of like, we need less humans. That's been around for a while. That's sort of the Malthusian, like, you know, population bomb thing. There are the people that think of like the virus as just like nature correcting itself, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which I think is very popular of like, well, this sucks, but also like, you know, it was bound to happen because like nature will find a way to correct itself or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the real like the Jeff Goldblum <laughs> like quote from Jurassic Park, <laughs> right, but, like, right. you know, and so it's like, you know, that there's this sort of idea of like, well, you get too many people and they're fucking up the environment. So they, the environment invents a plague to like take out a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that line of thought. And it, what's so weird to me is that you can make if like, look, I, I, I obviously I don't support this argument. You can make a similar argument without people dying. Like right. this is the whole idea of like, you know, like a lot of environmentalists think we should get rid of cars because cars are polluting the environment. Nobody has to die for that to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, you can talk about technology. You can talk about the things that are harming the environment without advocating for people to die. Right. And the reason it's called ecofascism is, I mean, obviously it's just a, a fascist mindset, but also it, there's a lot of overlap with white nationalism because it is truly a hop, skip and a jump away from this kind of eco-fascist argument to there are too many of those people. And if we had fewer of those people, say like in China, the world would be a better place. So white nationalists love when shit like this goes viral. Right. Because it's always, you know, it's always about the spread of disease from, you know, dirty immigrants. Their words, not mine. Right. Um, right. You know, it's always it's always about the spread of disease from immigrants. It's always about and, all, you know, of course, like the, the, the you know, the, the, the easy retort to this. It's like, well, if you think people need to die, like, OK, you first. <laughs> right. You know, like like, oh, OK, like if you think people need to die, why aren't you volunteering to go first? Right. Well, because they, they're the best ones, Eric. Right. And everybody yeah, else yeah. needs to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's the whole deal is like, yeah, all the other people, are the problem. I'm not the problem. All <laughs> right. the other people, are the problem, uh, especially the people that are not like me. Right. Uh, guys, on that note, it's that time of the show. Here's your good news. All right. Believe it or not, we do have some good news that has happened. I was about to say, this, is, <laughs> this, seems like a, this seems like a hard task. I'm not going to lie. It's been a little bit of a challenge lately finding good stories. But always whenever anything happens like this, say the, the worst catastrophic thing you can imagine, a pandemic, um, people step up. People do good things. And it reminds us that not all people are dumpster fires. So I wanted to <laughs> shout out Christian Siriano. Uh, his team created almost a thousand masks for medical workers. 
Um, no one asked Christian Siriana to do this. He volunteered uh, his army of seamstress, and they were all on machines, wearing masks, wearing gloves, seated six feet, six feet apart as they made masks for medical workers. Um, and he posted the video the other day of carrying this massive box down the stairs of the masks. And so I applaud Christian Siriano. I think other designers should step the fuck up too. And Christian Siriano is a fashion designer? <laughs> yeah, he's famous because okay. he won, uh, I think, the best season of Project Runway. I um, see. I and see. he is... He designs the sickest outfits. He's so talented. He's also very well known for making dresses uh, for uh, plus size people um, mm -hmm. who can't find red carpet dresses. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he's very celebrated for having a very uh, accessible line of clothing that, you know, goes into plus sizes, which shouldn't Can seem like a huge deal. But he is truly one of the only high, high fashion designers to do it. Right. Can you imagine how like crazy those nurses are going to feel when they have like designer masks to put on in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like a just like a whole floor of like decked out nurses and like super like super high end like masks. I was a little disappointed that they just look like the regular masks. I, I know he would have gotten <laughs> so much shit if he did this, but it would be so funny if they said like Siriano <laughs> <Right, yeah. laughs> like advertising while he's out there. Yeah. Um, so. I will say too uh, on the on the note of like people coming together. I am like the sappiest. Like this stuff gets me every I time know. it happens. <laughs> I know. But like all the videos of people like clapping out of their apartments makes me cry every time. Oh yeah, I time. I think the best one was the NHS video. I don't know if you saw this one, but somebody shot the other day. Um, Londoners were asked to clap to. Uh, uh, pay tribute to the medical workers who are obviously going through a lot right now. Um, and somebody shot a video of London clapping from one of the high rises. And it sounds like all yeah. of London is clapping and it's like, <laughs> I instantly started crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the, that is like, you know, you're talking earlier about like TV shows that like just make memes. Mm -hmm. Like that shit is like any, like that is literally uploaded to the internet to make me cry. <laughs> every time like stuff like that gets me the videos of soldiers coming home from like overseas every time but, like, <laughs> that's it just will always make me cry i will say the the flip side of that is i find the videos of celebrities clapping to no one to be <laughs> really really funny and very awkward and i know they were doing it to a lot of uh, british actors were doing it because they couldn't participate in the london clapping uh -huh, so they yeah. wanted to show solidarity but it is so funny to watch someone <laughs> clap to no one for no reason i mean for a reason but it just looks very yeah. strange <laughs> oh my god did we talk about the the gal gadot imagine video oh my god oh, though like how 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 are you that tone deaf where you're like i mean not she is tone deaf she can't sing but also yeah. like <laughs> shooting like these celebrities shooting themselves singing in their mansions like don't fucking sing to us send us a million dollars you knob right. yeah like a that song's not good and b it's like yeah i don't need to hear you sing one line of imagine literally that does nothing it doesn't even give me hope doesn't even instill like it, it doesn't instill optimism or anything in me it just is awful and awkward to watch yeah uh also in good news there are encouraging things happening 
in the race to find a cure for, for COVID or um, a vaccine for COVID. So the FDA has okayed a historic blood treatment for COVID and clinical trials are being set up to use the antibodies from recovered patients. So if you have been diagnosed with COVID, you can uh, sometimes volunteer to have your blood taken because the reason you were able to recover is your blood has these things called antibodies. And they're very, 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 very valuable when it comes to finding a vaccine for, for COVID. Um, so that's huge. Well, also, too, a, a, a big reason that the antibody test is so important is because, like I was saying earlier, like the biggest threat, I mean, obviously, like the symptoms of COVID are a huge threat because, you know, it's really putting like it's putting people in the ICU. It's a huge deal. But one of the biggest reasons is because you can spread it before you know you have it. Before right. the symptoms come. If they can develop an easy an easily administrable antibody test. They can start testing people and find out if they have the virus in them before they have it. Right. Before the, you know what I mean? Like they can just start administering that. And if you show signs of the antibodies, that means you're like, you could potentially spread it. Right. So it's like an early warning sign too, of like finding people who have no reason to believe they have it in the first place. You can test and see if you have, if your body's developing the antibodies for it, because then, you know, then you can find like, Hey, you have the antibodies, which means you've had the virus or currently have it even if you don't have symptoms. And that's going to be one of the biggest things in terms of, because this is not going to, this is not a, like a, a crazy disease where it's going to be like at the end of the summer, we're done with it. This is going to be going on for a long time. Yeah. So developing those types of tests are going to be so important for like figuring out. So we don't have this type of outbreak again. Right now, obviously a critical part of this is getting people tested because I have a, I have a friend who's pretty sure she had it. She had a very mild version of it. She got over it and she wanted to volunteer to have her blood taken because she might have the, the antibodies um, necessary to fight it. And she called and they said because she was never tested, she's she doesn't qualify. And, she, and by the way, by the way, she called three times trying to get tested and she was told she wasn't high priority enough because she wasn't having trouble breathing. Um, but she had every other symptom and they wouldn't test her. I get it. I mean, I get that they're going to have, like, because they're strapped. Yes. But, like, st stuff like this has got to be taken care of soon. I've heard so many stories of this, of people being like, I've got something, and I don't, you know, I need to get tested. And there's, like, look, we have a limited number of tests, and we have limited bed space. So unless you're, a th unless you're under threat of dying from this, we can't do anything about it right now for sure and it's like we gotta we gotta figure that out because we can't just have people walking around with the virus and they can't get tested like that's insane yeah there have been you know um news articles about how they're they're developing rapid testing for it like this is in the works um thankfully we always have like smart capable people who actually are doing like meaningful work <laughs> like trying to address the issue so like i know they are racing to make that happen but it is so frustrating to hear so many stories about people who are like i can't even get tested i can't even find out if i have it it's like man this is it's very bad um but yeah. another good story is that researchers have found a way to sterilize and reuse those face masks that are in such short supply all over the country, all over the world. Um, right. So a Duke Health Research and clinical team in North Carolina 
have confirmed a way to use existing decontamination methods to clean and reuse the masks, which is oh, huge. Um, yeah. So if that works, that would really, really be a huge benefit to a lot of people. But whenever I see stories like this, I think about like, we talk a lot about um, capability porn. Is that what it's called? Uh, competency porn. Competency, yes, yes, yes. Competency yeah. porn. And it's so comforting to know that like there are really smart compassionate people all over the world working really hard to come up with solutions um and it's like the worst of times obviously but it also brings out the best qualities in some people yeah it's definitely one of those times where like <laughs> it's it's funny like it's one of those times where it really highlights like like all the people that are talking about what's going on None of us are useful at all. Like, <laughs> no, not at all. At, at all, not at all in any way. <laughs> like, like all the people that are doing work are not making podcasts or like going on the news. It's like you know, like all the people that are talking about all this stuff. None of us are useful. <laughs> it's you know, all the there's this whole you know. I think it's very easy to get trapped in like if you're if you're a, like a terminally online person like myself. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to be like be wrapped in this bubble of like, yeah, you only talk to people who are online and you only consume me media made by entertainers because those are the people who make media. And it's like, you forget that there's this whole world out there of like people that are like smart and do stuff. And it's like, it's very comforting of like, there are people that are working on it. It may, not, it's, it, you know, none of us really under, like, I don't understand the medical testing process. So it's like, Hey, why don't we have a cure yet? I don't understand this stuff, but like people are working on it, working very hard on it. People are working 14, 16, 18 hour days. They, they basically, so many medical professionals have just stopped what they're doing and just like devoted their labs and all their stuff to work on this. So it's, it is comforting to see. I wish more of those stories were being put out for people to read of like, yeah. Hey, these things are happening. People are working on this. Here's the latest updates. Like, here's what's going on. Because, like I said, like none of us that are talking about this stuff know what's going on. We were just waiting on people to put out this information. Yeah, and I will say, like, without downplaying how bad things are, because they are very, very, very bad, uh, the media is always going to lead with a body count. You know, they're always they're always going to report on the worst things that are happening, which is important because people need to understand the scope of how bad it is. But they're less likely to report on like stories like this where it's like, hey, also smart people are working really hard to come up with solutions very, very quickly. And, and they're doing it, you know. Um, right. And that's it's not necessarily like a, an interesting news story to be like, hey, uh, a bunch of scientists got one step closer. It's right. like, OK, what, like, is there a cure or not? And right. so like. There tends to be this because medical testing and stuff like that takes so long. There tends to be this lag of like months where like we're not talking about what's the stuff that's going on because a people don't really understand like if they were actually producing like medical like if they were putting medical research on the news like nobody would know what the fuck they're talking about. So it's like they can't just be like oh well they made this important step towards a cure nobody's gonna listen. So there's this big gap of like we don't know what's happening and all of a sudden there's a cure. And so it's like this weird thing of like, it feels like nothing's happening and all of a sudden there's a cure, but it's, you got to understand that people, like so many people are working on this. Yeah. I will say too, I feel like everybody can do something. Like I was talking to my friend who's the doctor who had to send her kids away so they won't get infected. And I was like, do you need anything? Can I send you like a, like a gift basket with like stuff, like nice stuff in it to like keep you going. And she was right. like, Honestly, 
what you can do is stay home. And she was like, right. everybody just needs to stay the fuck home. Now, I recognize that's not a possibility for everyone. If you have an asshole boss or you work for a corporation that doesn't give a shit about you and they keep asking you to come in, I, I'm not trying to guilt you. But, like, everybody who can stay home right now has the power to do it. And you could save lives. So, like, truly everyone can be doing something right now. Yeah, it's a weird, like it's a weird sort of like negative positive consequence thing where it's like the best thing you can do is nothing. Right. <laughs> and it's like people, it's hard to wrap your brain around, you know, but it's like, yeah, you're literally not putting your body out there to be a conduit for a virus. That is a, that is a thing, you know, you're giving it one less entry point to the populace. And so it's like, but if for everyone, especially like if you're outside New York and you're like, a, you don't know anybody that has the disease. You're not seeing anybody else in your town affected. And you're just like sitting at home. You're like, this is stupid. Like, what am I doing? But it's like, it is truly like making such a big difference. Right. By the way, guys, I'm coughing because I choked on water. I don't want anybody to freak out. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, please follow Eric on Twitter. E-R-E-K underscore Smith. Please follow based. What is it? Based pod podcast. Yeah, twitter.com slash based, B-A-S-S-E-D-P-O-D, based pod. Nice. You can follow Light Treason Pod as well while you're doing that on Twitter. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Tell your friends about the show. Oh, my God. Thank you to everyone who's a Patreon supporter right now. Uh, you know Mama lost her, her, her day job, and those Patreon uh, donations are really, really keeping everything going. So thank you so, so much. Thank you to everybody who signed up. In the wake of all of this shit happening, you're all amazing. heroes. You're amazing. For as little as $5 a month, you can become a Patreon supporter of mine. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. We'll read your questions, comments, recommendations on the show. And uh, you can go to lighttreason.news to donate to the show there as well. Smash the donate button. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. 